0: And they're going with a new set. Now you got a spare set, if so. All right. Acts chapter number 1. I want to read verses 4 and 5. And then skip down and and start with verse number 9. If we can today. Acts 1 verse 4. The Bible says, And being assembled together with them. This is Jesus being assembled with his uh, disciples slash apostles. And being assembled together with them. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he. Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. Be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Amen. I love it. Preachers, we get so excited saying Holy Ghost. Sometimes you, we just get Holy Go out. Get baptized with the Holy Ghost. Get baptized with the Holy Ghost. Verse number nine. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up cloud received him out of their sight and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel which also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven the angels there were speaking of when he would return someday that we're still yet waiting upon. Verse 12 says, though concerning these disciples, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. A Sabbath day's journey. The help of the Holy Ghost this morning. I would like to minister this. You're never too far. You're never too far. You're never too far. Let's pray one more time that the Lord would help us today. We need the spirit of Pentecost to come down in this place. Father, God, I need you this morning. God, I am, Lord Jesus, at your mercy today. I pray, oh God, I know, Lord, what I feel that you have laid upon my heart. And I do feel, Lord Jesus, like you have given me God, a very certain Lord Jesus' word to share here today. And I pray, God, help me, Lord, to do it. Lord Jesus, justice. God, let your spirit, God, I pray, Lord, take up, Lord, every bit of slack, God, in my own Lord Jesus' slackness. I pray, Lord, this morning, minister to people that are sitting here. God, I pray, Lord, save the loss in between. Backslidden, it matters not, God. Lord, reach them, speak to them today. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Christ, I pray. The church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The lovely name of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're never too far. You're never too far. This setting of scripture of Acts 1, whenever Christ has already spent 40 days with his disciples and has proved to them by many infallible proofs, the Bible says that he was indeed alive that the one that they had beheld from a distance that they seen seemingly die upon a cross and taken down and put into a borrowed tomb was no longer occupying that space as his, but he was alive and well, and he had been proven that to them for many days now. But now they are on the very cusp of him leaving them to ascend into the heavenlies because he had already spoke to them in the book of John that if I go not away, then the holy ghost the spirit the comforter cannot come and he told them how he would not leave them though comfortless and so with this being said the past couple of months for the disciples have been quite quite a whirlwind of events for them if you would really just take in what's happened in the past couple of months this has been a roller coaster ride for the disciples first of all they learned early on that their leader, the one that they were following, would suffer and that he would die and ultimately that he would resurrect on the third day. That All of that within itself would just be enough to process and take in and consider. But with this, they also then would understand that He would spend 40 days sporadically visiting them, showing up at times when they were eating or in repose at other times. And then finally their understanding was brought to the attention that from a brow of a familiar mount to them all called all of it, that he would and he did leave them. And so in this period of time their loyalty has been tried concerning to the Lord. They they witnessed as a matter of fact one of their own, one of the 12 called Judas, who is oftentimes found at the end of the list whenever they are listed, that one of their own Judas would betray Christ, Jesus Christ, into the hands of the authorities. No doubt they are impacted and they're tried whenever they're hanging their head and the one that is normally the spoke person of them is no doubt fulfilling the words of the Lord when he denies the Lord three times no doubt they hang their heads understanding that the Lord's words were true and that Peter is fulfilling them there's just some things you don't want to fulfill that the Lord says yet Peter did he denied the Lord three times and probably to a certain degree all of them felt a little bit guilt-ridden whenever the Lord was apprehended in the garden. The Bible says, not just Peter or John or this one or that one, but it states that all of them had fled whenever the master was taken into hand. And so they're probably all feeling a little guilt-ridden over that. But there's something that we must denote, and I think we already did a couple Wednesdays ago, that after the resurrection, their relationship with the Lord changed. It went from him abiding with them to now just periodic visitations from him for these 40 days that they've been experiencing and no doubt those times were great no doubt they, they, they thought, man, this is great. Here's the master. He's eating with us. This, this feels a little bit like old times. But there was something that was different, and that was the frequency of those visits. He wasn't always around, but he was just coming and going, touch and go. And there's something we must understand concerning all of this. Whenever they first came to the Lord, it was because the Lord had called them. They had left their occupations of being fishermen and tax collectors and all the different venues of life that they served in. They left all of that to follow the Lord because he called them to follow him. And there have been some decisions in their own lives, very hard decisions that they had to make. Because the Lord said that, that if you're gonna take up your cross and you're gonna follow me, then you gotta deny you're your mother, your father, you're your sister, your brother, you you gotta deny everything else in order to follow me. So they had some hard decisions that they had to make, even to engage in this following the Lord type of thing. And and all of this was done. all oh, them leaving their occupation, leaving their families to follow the Lord, all of this was done so that they could give their undivided attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there have been transitions for them here. I mean, during His earthly ministry, they followed him closely. They ate with him. They slept where he slept. They experienced what he experienced. Whenever the heat got hot for him, it got hot for them. And so they've been along on this journey. But it's been different now the past 40 days. Now it's just reduced to moments. It's just reduced to visits. And no doubt all of that took some adjustment for the disciples. All of that took some adjustment for Peter and John but nothing could parallel the moment that they were at now on the mount called Olivet where the Bible states that he's about ready to depart and go where they could not go amen as a matter of fact the one who had called them christ told them he said follow me and i know there must be a little frustration lord you said for us to follow you we have up every mountain down every valley through all the different concourses that you have walked we've been there a slap and experienced the heat of the battle amen that you've experienced we've been there all along the way but now you're choosing to go somewhere that we cannot go And there is no distance, folks, that feels any further than a location that you're not permitted to go. There's not any distance that feels any further than that. And all they had now left with on that mountain was a promise. A promise that he would come to them. I promise that he would not leave them comfortless, that he would be the comforter, that Holy Ghost the Bible speaks of, that they would be baptized with not many days hence. And so they're standing there, the Bible says, seemingly spellbound, gazing up into the clouds where Christ was taken up, and he is no longer in their sight. And with their steadfast gaze and their steadfast look into the heavens, they're staring there as though maybe he'll return just any moment. You know, maybe this isn't what it is all all cracked up to be. Maybe he's going to come back just any moment now. Uh, Though though as though he said he promised he would come, so maybe he's just going to go out of sight and right back in sight. And all of this will be said and done, but that's not what happened. And there must be a certain sense this morning that they're beginning to feel a little abandoned because they've had his companionship for three and a half years. They must have felt like, you know, any other time we've been on the Mount, all of it or in this region, we've always had the Lord because it's in this region that all times Christ would go in the outskirts of Bethany and meet with some of his friends and normally the disciples and Christ were there. It's in the mount of all of it that the garden of Gethsemane is in that place and they remember being there before but when they were there, the Lord was with them. For that matter, the Lord had even asked them, can you not just tarry here with me one hour and pray? I want you all I want you all to be here with me but now that we're here, he's left. Uh-huh. He was wanting us to stay but now he's not staying himself. Someone say amen. amen. And so in all of this, I think it's very important That these 12 that had ate with the Lord, slept where he slept, experienced what he experienced. That at this particular juncture in the road, that now they may be feeling a little bit alone. That now they may be feeling a little bit abandoned. And I think it's important for them to feel alone. And important for them to feel abandoned Because they needed to reestablish What it felt like to be Without the presence of the Lord For three and a half years They had had him around For three and a half years He was just a call away They needed to reestablish What it felt like Without the presence of the Lord Amen for three and a half years He had invested time He had invested energy He had invested wisdom and knowledge into them And he had been around them But he wanted them to know I think this That before you can become messengers, before you can become ambassadors, before you can become apostles to Jerusalem and the rest of the world, you need to experience one more time what life without Christ feels like. Someone say amen. Without, without the Lord, what that feels like all over again. You, you need to feel the ache of that void of not having God. You, you need to feel the bewilderment of what to do about not having that and about where you're going to go and what you're going to do. You, you, you need to contend with the hopelessness that you're feeling right now about what are we going to do about this? Somewhere they he's going that we cannot go. He's inaccessible right now. What are we going to do? They need it to be a springboard that they could use to preach to a bunch of people that had never been around him, never experienced him, never had his hand laid upon them to be able to tell them, I want you to know, I know what it feels like to be without the Lord. I know what it feels like, amen, to feel as though he's far away and that there's an aching void in my life that only he can feel, but it seems like he's not here to feel. Someone say amen. Amen. And so while these 12 are processing these thoughts. They remember the words of Jesus. And the Bible says in verse 12. That they returned to Jerusalem. From the mount called Olivet. They left the mount called Olivet. Where no doubt they certainly felt alone. And they head to Jerusalem. They left where they felt by themselves and they headed to Jerusalem, the place that he said he would undo them with power. They left where he was not to go to where he would be. They left the place where he had only been with them to the place where he would eventually be in them. Now Luke does something very interesting here, folks, in verse number 12, something of interest. He specifies for you and I and for Theophilus to whom he is writing that from the mount called Olivet to Jerusalem, from where Christ was presently absent to where he would be present was a Sabbath day's journey. Sabbath day's journey. Only place in all of the scripture that you'll ever see this phrase, a Sabbath day's journey. Can someone say... If you'll walk with me, I'll run with you later, okay? It's a Sabbath day's journey. But what is a Sabbath day's journey? I mean, does it just concern the path from all of it to Jerusalem? What is a Sabbath day's journey? Is it a particular distance on a particular day? What is this? Why is it mentioned here? Why is it mentioned now? If you'll just walk with me here for a moment, if you'll remember the Sabbath or what's termed the Sabbath, it comes all the way back from creation that six days in which the Lord worked and created but on the seventh he rested and that's from which they got the term the Sabbath it was that day that you seized from work and you devoted then your lives to celebration and to worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ it is the fourth commandment that Moses brought down from the mountain that says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy it's the one that is written about in Deuteronomy 5 where the Bible says says that whenever they were to keep that Sabbath day holy, the way in which they did that was by remembering that they were one-time slaves in Egypt and that slaves have no time of their own. They're on somebody else's time. And their work is seemingly endless. But whenever God delivered them from Egypt and delivered them from slavery, they were now to keep the Sabbath and take a day of rest for the purpose of what? Worshiping God because he had delivered them from Egypt from being slaves. It was a time to celebrate their deliverance. And so the Sabbath was honored. No work was to be done on the Sabbath. There were a list of about 1,521 things that were not appropriate, not permissible for the Sabbath day. And one of the things that were listed among them was you were not to exert yourself by walking. That creates a little problem, don't it? You're not to exert yourself by walking. But since worship normally took place at the tabernacle. There was an allowance made for them to make the journey from their household to the tabernacle on the Sabbath in order to worship. This is all going to make sense, I guarantee you. Even in modern day, Jews have what's called Shabbat POs, and it's in their cities and their towns. And the Shabbat PO is this it's set somewhere outside of their city limits that denotes the limit of the Sabbath. Meaning that's how far a Jew can walk on the Sabbath. Or that's how far in a Jew can walk from to the tabernacle on the Sabbath. They've even had archaeologists. Archaeologists have found a stone between the 1st and 7th century that even on it in Hebrew has been been written the word Shabbat. Uh, whatever you say it and, and it, it is the word for Sabbath and they have found that so that is an absolute archaeological find that there were these stones or these demarcations that pointed this is how far a person could travel on a Sabbath day's journey and whenever I begin to study this out just walk with me a Sabbath day's journey I'm trying to figure out what is a hard fast number for a Sabbath day's journey and whenever I begin to read it some said well it's 200 cubits and that, that's about half a mile for all of us English people and, Others listed it as five furlongs. Others, seven and a half furlongs, which is about 3,000 3, cubits. And still some said six furlongs. All this is not making sense to me. You know, three quarters a mile, half a mile. I'm seeing all these different things. Some said it's 2,000 paces. Others said, no, it's one thousand 1,200 yards. I'm getting stuff all over the place. These are supposed to be scholars. I'm just looking for a hard, fast answer about how far this is. But according to the tradition of the rabbis, a Sabbath day's journey was the distance allowed by the rabbis to the Jews to travel on the Sabbath day for keeping the Sabbath. It originated from the Old Testament of Joshua 3 and verse number 4. The Bible says, yet there shall be a space between you and the ark. Amen. That is you and it, the Ark of the Covenant, about two thousand cubits by measure come not near unto it, that they may know the way which we, ye must go, for ye have not passed this way hitherto And so there was a proper space that was kept between them and the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't That space wasn't kept there so they wouldn't get any nearer. It wasn't so that they would be any further. It states very plainly so that they might know the way that they must go because the ark was leading them and the ark was guiding them. Well, biblically, in the Old Testament, The tribes, whenever they would come to a place of stationing and they would pitch their tents all around the tabernacle, on all sides of the tabernacle would be all of the tribes of Israel stationed around about. The Bible tells us that their tent doors would all face toward the tabernacle. That Jewish tradition holds. Listen to me. That the farthest location away from the tabernacle, the one on the perimeter, if you will, the last tent that was in the camp was 2,000 cubits so that a Sabbath day journey, somebody could go from the tent that is the furthest out to the place of worship. Someone say amen. But there's all kinds of numbers set to this. And so the real description or definition of a Sabbath day's journey Is this, it was no doubt created for the Sabbath, but it became known as this, and this is what you need to hang your hat on. A Sabbath day journey was the distance on any day from the place of worship to the tent that is furthest away from the place of worship. Meaning then that the rabbis made the maximum, the limit, being the furthest a person was from the tabernacle. The furthest a person was from the presence of God would then become the allowable allowable distance a person could travel to the place of worship. With that being said, I think there was something that Luke was writing in the scripture here to a group of 12 men that seen the person that they had ate with and experienced different things with all of a sudden going to a place that they could not go and they themselves feeling abandoned and alone that whenever they seen whether there was a demarcation, a Shabbat or whatever it was, they seen that where we are at this place where we feel abandoned and alone and without God right now, it's still within a lawful distance that we can travel in order to get ourselves back to the presence of the Lord. They're standing there with a sense of aloneness and emptiness but all of a sudden they're encompassed and realizing, I'm still within the distance that's needful and necessary to get back into the habitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saying why does that mean anything? Because they need to feel what it felt like to be alone again, but in the same token that they needed to feel that, they also need to feel what it felt like to have hope reinstilled in that feeling of calamity, in that feeling of being alone and estranged from God. They need to realize that because very soon they were gonna be preaching in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. They were gonna to talk to people that didn't know anything about God, didn't ever experience God, Never seen a miracle or a sign or a wonder. People that felt like they were estranged from God, far removed from God. Listen to me this morning. What I'm saying is this. This is not a Shabbat pole uh, fixed right here and saying we got this distance, uh, amen, to here to there. And you can go travel that far and make it to the presence of God. I'm not saying it's 35 feet. I'm not saying it's 2,000 cubits. Uh, The distance is determined by those that are the furthest away from him. And however far that is, uh, whatever sin that may be, uh, whatever distance that may be, as far out as that reaches, uh, that allows that person that allows that person that feels alone like they've done too much went too far that they've abandoned God and he'll never receive them that allows them even to make their way back to the presence of the Lord and fall down and worship and get what that does is encompass us all what that means is none of us are too far Those boys needed to know that because there's countries that's far removed from the birthplace of the church at Jerusalem. They were gonna be ministering to people that went beyond the scope of Jew, Gonna go to Gentile, Samaritans that needed the experience but up to that point in time would feel like they couldn't have it. You understand? I mean when the message first comes in the gospels and he's come to the house of Israel and they're not giving much recognition for Gentile or Samaritans. Don't you think you would feel alone and in a sense of hopelessness? That that's great, but that's not for me. But those boys on my, Mount Olivet understood something. We're feeling without his presence, as though he's far. But here's a demarcation that says, this is a Sabbath day's journey. I'm not talking about a literal number. I'm talking about however far you are from God, however far you feel like you're far from God. That's still the allowable lawful distance for you to make your way back to God. Uh What that meant then, Brother Terry? If there was a tent that was three quarters of a mile from the tabernacle, The distance for them was three-quarters of a mile from the tabernacle and anybody in between in order to make it to the tabernacle. They didn't stop at the half a mile and then cut off everybody else in the other quarter of a mile. No, it's those that were the furthest away. God has not made himself inaccessible to anybody. He's not setting up a stake here and saying, well, they've done too much they went too far, they committed too much, they've done some cardinal sins that can never be amended can never. no, 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 he said wherever they are, however it may feel or however however far it may actually be that's where I've set the distance and what that does is this it means that you can get there and I can get there, it means the one that you want to categorize as the worst of the worst, they can get there, don't you ever say well I think they went too far, no, no, no because if you look around there's some demarcation telling you they're still just A Sabbath day's journey away from the presence. A a Sabbath day's journey away from their answer. How do you know that? Pastor, i tell you how I know. Because those disciples was gonna carry that message to the palace. They were gonna carry it to the judgment halls of kings and priests. They would carry it into the atmospheres of adulterers that were still yet in their bed. They would take that to idol worshipers that were making their living off selling shrines. They would take that even to the demonic that were deranged by spirits of the enemy that they were possessed by. And they were setting up a stake, saying, even if you're possessed by the devil, You're not too far in order to get back to the present. I don't know if we've lost the thrill of it or we've denied it, but I want you to know this morning that wherever Jesus found you, when he found you, was not a space that was too far. It doesn't matter what pit he pulled you out of, it was not a space that was too far. We need to take inventory again and understand every single one of us had a Sabbath day's journey in order to get to the presence, the power of the Lord. So say amen. And so, if the lawful distance that one can travel to the house of God to experience the presence of God is based upon the one that, or groups, that is, that are farthest from it, then once again, that encompasses us all. So, Pastor Me, you don't know my story. I don't need to know your story. I feel like I've been left by the Lord. Sir, that may be true. I feel like I've went too far concerning the Lord. You may feel like that. I guarantee you you may feel like that. That may be true. But I'll tell you this. No matter how far you've went, it isn't too far from being reacquainted with the Lord. And Brother Mason, I don't know this for a fact, but I look at all these different numbers they're trying to give to a Sabbath day's journey all these varying opinions and these studies trying to give an exact distance to it and I'm thinking maybe maybe with purpose that's the reason why so many different varying ideas and concepts are trying to be laid to what a Sabbath day's journey is only to emphasize one clear fact it's not about distance it's about the extension of his grace that's right. you, it's not about how far they went but it's how far he can go right. uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, yeah 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 someone say amen amen And so if the farthest person sets the maximum distance, then that tells me no matter how far you are or how far you think you are or feel you are from the presence of the Lord or any place in between, it isn't an unlawful distance. And it can't keep you from his presence and from his power and from the gift of his spirit. It cannot keep you. Peter must have understood all of this on that heel of all of it as the Lord departed from, the, from them feeling estranged that the Lord has left them. But he remembered seeing whatever it was that he saw there in verse 12 that there he was just a Sabbath day's journey from where Christ said that's where I'm going to be in so much he is convinced of this in so much that after the infilling of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 he would stand up tell people from various nations various kindreds various races various tongues he would stand up and tell them repent and be baptized Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, right? And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off. What are you saying, Peter? It don't matter how far they are, that's where God puts his allowance, that's where God puts his limit. It, says it don't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your current status of living is. You're simply a Sabbath day's journey from the presence of the Lord. You're not beyond His limit. You're not beyond the pole. Amen, even if there is one. He says, you're not set at a measure that's unlawful. You're not set at a measure that is incapable of finding His mercy and His grace. He said, this promises to those that are afar off. Oh. And later, we would hear from even the lips of Paul I would state in Hebrews 7.25, he said, Christ is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. What, Paul? To the, I said to the uttermost. See, God just really messed with everybody's mentality. Through Pentecost. He messed with a bunch of Jewish mentalities. Through Pentecost. Jewish who from the Old Testament. The space between them. The ark and the spacing of their tents. From the tabernacle. You know they bought into this idea. Of a specified exact distance mentality. That's how far. That is allowable. That's how far the distance is, And we know all of us good Jewish people lie within the bounds and the limit of that distance of having access to his presence. It's this many cubits. That's what it is. But whenever they get to the base origin of it and they understand that Christ isn't saying this is the exact distance. He says the distance that it's going to be is however far they are from. That started to mess with them because see that's how they felt like I'm a Jew. I'm a privileged Person. This isn't for the Gentile, for the Samaritan. We're Jews. We're within the limit. But where they understand the origin of it, it's just however far you are from it, that's where he sets the distance. And so then that means the Gentile that's way out here in left field, that's where the Shabbat po was put. And the other Samaritan that's half Jew and half Gentile, that's looked down upon as a dog that the Jews just totally to laugh at, he says, that's where I'll put my distance then. It doesn't matter. You understand? I don't care if you're sitting here this morning and you've experimented with drugs, you're an alcoholic, you've been promiscuous with your life if you're a prostitute or a pimp it matters not to me if you look around you you're gonna see that you're still within the allowable distance of getting to the presence of the Lord I don't care if you cheated on your taxes if you cheated on your wife I don't care if you lied about a thousand things and you by no means can make amends for it. if you look around you're still within the allowable distance to get into the presence of the almighty God I don't care if you've murdered, if you've robbed, it matters not. God says however far it is, that's where I'll set the distance. They're still capable of having access to my power and my presence. There's hope for somebody in this place this morning that come in here and said, I'll never be able to make it. You can, you're not too far from God. God. those 12 were a Sabbath day's journey this morning from their Pentecost I reassure you you're just a Sabbath day's journey from yours as well you're never too far put whatever label you want to label yourself as we've all been labeled a sinner but categorize yourself however you want to categorize yourself and among everybody else, you might even do the comparison game and say nobody's done as bad as I've done. You ever felt like that? Nobody's done as bad as I've done. Nobody's went as far as I've went. But you can come up, conjure in your mind, whatever it is. And I even challenge you church folk, you go on conjure up in your mind what you think is the furthest that a person could go. And when you get it, Hang on because that's still a possibility and it's permissible for a Sabbath day journey to his presence. You know, humanity labels it. Well, that's the biggest sinner, the worst sinner. Well, that wasn't that bad. That was horrible. At all those different little marks, God's setting up a Shabbat po. He says it's just a... And notice, the scripture doesn't state the exact number itself it just gives a phrase again because I believe the emphasis is not on the number, it's that we're all just a Sabbath day's journey from where we need to be you're just a lawful distance a lawful distance from the forgiveness that you need from the presence that you need Paul is talking, Brother Mason you can go and come, Paul Talking to the Ephesian Gentile believers in the book of Ephesians, talking to them about their past, bringing up some of the dirt, so to speak, and just kind of labeling what they were. He said, "Listen here boys, you all were without Christ." He says, "You were without citizenship, you were without promise, you were without hope. you' starting to feel good about yourself. You know you were without God." But he says that in Ephesians 2:13 he says, "But now In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You guys were without citizenship, without promise, without hope. But now, you're not without a path. You're not without a hope. You're not without an opportunity. Because though you may have been called far, you have been brought nigh. Because even at your farthest, you were just a Sabbath day's journey from Him. If you'll stand with me this morning. Mark 12, a scribe came to the Lord. Over the years, they didn't really get the best of, of, of reputation. They kind of sided with the Pharisees and were antagonists in many ways against the Lord. But when come to the Lord and... Begin to speak to him, wanting to know concerning this idea of which was the first commandment of all. The dialogue went, "Hero, O oh Israel, the Lord our God is one. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the scribe agreed with what the Lord said. And there's one God and there's none other but He. And to love Him with, with your heart and mind and soul and your neighbor as yourself, that that is all well and proper. Whenever the Lord seemed that he answered and responded and agreed very discreetly, Christ said to this scribe that was by all popular opinion of the Jewish of that day that he's far from God. This come from the lips of Christ, he said, and thou art not far from the kingdom of God. What are you saying, Lord? He said, don't matter. Scribe, Pharisee, Sadducee, doesn't matter. In reality, none of them are too far of a distance from gaining access to my presence. There was a song sometimes my wife used to sing years ago. It was called, Wherever You Are. The last couple of lines of that course said something like this. It said, you'll always find He's never too far from where you are. And the reason why that is true is because the inverse of that is just as true. You'll always find wherever you are that he is never too far from where you are. That you are never too far from where he is and he's never too far from where you are. Because in essence, it all boils down just being a Sabbath day's journey. Oh, Brother McGee, that was just written for good church folk. No have written for us all none of us are too far and so on this pentecost sunday today there'd be nothing i guarantee that make the lord any happier than anybody that's sitting under the sound of my voice this morning that feels a little destitute a little estranged from the presence of god alone seemingly tucked back in the corner that you thought there's no way possible no way possible that any amends can be made or that I can shorten the distance between me and him. If that's you today, you need to look around you because God's made wherever you, at, you are at an allowable distance to make you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.